Nope is the third film by Jordan Peele, a director who is quickly achieving that rare feat of being able to sell a movie on his name alone. The trailer teased horror and science fiction, but revealed little else. So let's chase that mysterious cloud in the sky and see what Nope is all about. Welcome everyone to Screams After Midnight. I am Peter and joining me as always is Tim. Hello. <laughs> I thought you were going to say yup or something. Yeah. I, I considered it and then I was, figured I'd, I'm beneath that. <laughs> you're beneath that? <laughs> yeah. Not it's beneath you, you're beneath that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. This is a horror movie podcast. We get together and we talk about horror film. It's that simple. Uh, we are catching up on a big 2022 release that we didn't mm. get to, mainly because it released at different times. Uh, you know, it was out in the US like a month, month and a half before the, the UK got it for some stupid reason. Uh, mm. But we're here today to talk about Nope which is Jordan Peele's third film. And we'll get into it. We'll, we'll, yes, us three. Very good, Tim. Uh, we'll start spoiler-free, as we always do, of course. Although, we are quite late in getting to this, so I imagine a lot of you have already seen it. But we'll start spoiler-free. We'll give you warning before we get to spoilers, uh, and we'll get into it. Uh, and all I'll say premise-wise before we get to spoilers, really, is just... There appears to be something... In the sky, possibly a UFO, mm -hmm. but it's spooky and uh, creepy things are, are happening. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's, that's basically what I'm going to say. I mean, I suppose I could say like, the the, you know, the main characters uh, of, of OG and Emerald. Yes, I, I said OG there. The, don't, uh, <laughs> like, very intentional choice, and we'll talk about maybe later why it's an intentional choice. But yes, uh, Daniel Kaluuya's character is named OG. Uh, their father is played by Keith David, uh, and he like has this like freak accident at the start of the movie where they're on the ranch and he like you know he not only rents out but also like goes with like his horses for like movie productions and commercials and things like that um and sort of like you know tra you know has the horses trained and deals with them on set and that sort so, like, of thing hollywood animal wranglers yeah yeah animal wranglers is a good word yeah uh and Basically, uh, like a, I think it's a coin that falls out the sky and just like hits him in the eye and kills him uh, <laughs> in this freak accident, and that's kind of your your starting point for where the story goes. Uh, so you, you've got uh, OJ and Emerald played by Kiki Palmer, um, sort of trying to keep the the business going of sorts after the fact. At least OJ is uh, Emeralds, maybe kind of separate, but they kind of come together as the story goes on. Uh, but uh, there's a few other characters that get introduced as well as we go, but that is the, the basic gist of it. Uh, so I guess I'll just I'll ask the, the question. Uh, Tim! Yeah? Did you enjoy Nope? So, uh, you, you want to know what I thought of the movie? Uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I thought the new year might be mixing things up a little bit. Um, what about the question was uh, <laughs> like unclear? Was there shades of grey? Was there... <laughs> Yeah, it was about 50 of them. Uh, there was amb ambiguity <laughs> in the question that I was unaware of. You're being a little cheeky, let's be honest. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, no, I mean, th th this movie is fantastic. Uh, I This is the third time that I've seen it, uh, so I actually did uh, manage to go out uh, and see it in theaters, uh, which was I was very happy I, I did so. It's a very good movie to see on a, I don't know how big theater screens are, like a 20 feet or whatever screen. Um, 
Python <laughs> four. You could just set a big screen. <laughs> Yeah, it's a bit, well, you know, some people have big screens in their house, you know, so I don't want people to think I'm watching on like a, you know, 20 foot big screen in my house, you know, instead I was in a theater watching it on what was most likely a 20 foot screen. I don't know. Um, so, you know, I was happy that I, I, I got to see it uh, on the big screen. <laughs> uh, I'm sure I talked about it. Uh, I, I think I did have an, uh, a little bit of an annoying theater experience, but uh, I'm pretty sure I talked about it on one of the... Uh, even more uh episodes of scream so go back and watch the one from what july or august i probably talked about it on <clears throat> um and then yeah i watched it once with my wife and then i watched it uh today before doing the podcast um and uh yeah i didn't have a problem watching this multiple times because uh, i thought it's a thoroughly um <laughs> good film uh yeah i mean i don't, I don't know what what is there to say uh you know about Jordan Peele at this point he's uh you know he he knows what he's doing he's uh I I enjoy his movies uh and uh yeah I mean it, it's always just something about him that just really sucks you in you know the uh I, I like the characters you know I think the the actors uh that portray them all doing like a really good job and um he just has a way of you know shooting and telling the story that really you know sucks you in uh I, you know I think there was like a little bit of uh talk about you know where this review would land because you know some people might think it's a little bit more uh, of a sci-fi uh film but i think there's plenty of horror elements and you know it, and again can't really get too spoilery but i would say that like um you know uh some of the i guess kind of like the main uh crux of the film aside <laughs> uh that um if you actually just took the let's just say the Mr. Gordy <laughs> parts of the film, I'd say it's like the scariest horror movie of the year. <laughs> like that stuff, uh, you know, is all terrifying. But um, yeah, I mean, the, there's so much of this uh, that I like. Uh, I, I guess it's a little hard to talk about it without getting too spoilery. Um, uh, one of the things, you know, like we talked about before is how, you know, it's nice when a movie is actually about something. And, you know, while I think this is a fantastic like sci-fi horror film with like a really cool creature uh at the core of it uh yeah again you know like all other peels movies there's like layers to it there's um you know it's not just simply you know uh, a fun <laughs> creature flick there's uh you know lots of uh lots of stuff that you can pull from it which you know we'll get into all of that but uh yeah i mean huge thumbs up for me i, I think uh, the film's terrific yeah, uh, there was a bit of back and forth as to whether this was going to be on Screams or Ace uh, during the summer. Um, and uh, honestly, I could, still, I, I could still be convinced either way, t to be fair. Uh, but we, sure. we we decided on Screams, so here it is. <laughs> um, and At the very least, it keeps it all nice and lined up because we did the other two Peel movies. As, as long as Jordan Peel doesn't start going more sci-fi, then, it's, then yeah. it becomes a problem. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, there's, there's that. if he, yeah, if his next movie is like called Star Trek 14, like, you know, Spock's Revenge or something, then yeah, you guys will probably do it. <laughs> <laughs> Although that would be a scary review for you to have to take part in, I think. Oh, no, I, I would not want to do that. <laughs> See, exactly. You're scared. Look at your chilling. You're, you're, you're shaking yeah, yeah. your boots right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just the idea of having to watch uh, anything Star Trek related. Oh, here we go. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, so that's the first time I watched it. I hadn't seen it yet. Uh, so I, I went in and I, I tried to stay as cold on it as possible. 
in terms of like knowing what was in it <laughs> because it felt even just from the initial trailers that it was kind of keeping things close to its chest yeah like the the trailer doesn't really tell you much like plot wise and i think uh there's not a lot of people you can do this with but i think peel is enough of a name that you can kind of sell it on him alone you don't need to be like oh here's what it's about you know he kind of shot to that status very quickly like get out just immediately <laughs> made him a name like that like, yeah. like, like a nolan like a whoever who you can just say no this is their movie the fact that it's theirs makes it an event and we can yeah. sell the movie on that alone uh which is cool uh i'm all for more directors being able to do that mm-hmm. because it gives them more freedom just to make movies that they're interested in rather than mm-hmm. you know ha- having to necessarily market it a certain way or have to be tied to a franchise or or whatever yeah. so the only thing that's like annoying about that is like it does feel like there's a lot of people that want to come out and just be just kind of have the contrarian take like well, he's not that good and like you know uh, actually this movie's not as hyped up as it you know should be and i mean it, you know if you don't like the movie like that's totally fine but you know there's some people that just you know sometimes it just sounds like they're getting off on you know not liking you know the big popular director or whatever they do that with ethno it could be a franchise it can be a director right, yeah. it could be whatever uh like it happens with other ones so um no i liked it a lot and i think this uh this this, this movie you know it wasn't exactly what i necessarily expected it to be because it does kind of keep it close to the chest so i think i just had like a basic notion in my head of what the sort of movie it was going to be so very early on it starts to hint at things it starts to poke at things that i was like oh okay we're doing something different here which shouldn't surprise me um but it, it, it kind of did in a weird way because I, th- I think like i liked us quite a bit uh but one of my complaints i was gonna was- ask because i i wasn't i I know I've definitely, I, I liked us a lot too, but I, I know I've definitely had conversations with people that uh, weren't so hot on it. So um, yeah, I was going to ask you uh, if you remember like how you feel about that. Cause I, I forget if that was one we disagreed on or not. Yeah, I was going to say, but did do a review time. Like we, we talked oh, about yeah, it I'm in depth. Go back and, <laughs> I know, but that was like, what, how many years ago? I don't know, three, maybe? <laughs> maybe four, I push? No, My mind's not as much of a steel trap as it used to be. Um, but no, I liked us a lot. But one of my, my the things that I would have said about us is that it felt kind of painfully obvious where it was going right from the start of the movie mm-hmm. um, in a way that I found the ending a little underwhelming as a result because it was just exactly what I thought it was going to do pretty much from the start. Um, this film, on the other hand, because it did kind of keep itself so secretive and it didn't... <laughs> I don't feel like it telegraphed something too strongly at the start that it felt like I was unraveling what it was. And even once I start, I start to get the themes and I start to get what it was saying, it still kind of felt like it was, it was offering me surprises and I still wasn't sure how it was going to end or what this final sort of point was going to be. Uh, so I, I, I was pleased to kind of like go on the ride. So I, I think it's a better film than, than us. Um, and I might even like it a bit more than Get Out, which I think actually is controversial to most people, but uh, no, I think I want to compare it to something, but I really can't without spoiling the movie, so I'm not going to. But yeah. I've got some other movies that I want to compare it to once we're in spoilers, just to sort of like tell you the type of movie it is. Because it's actually mm-hmm. really clear once you've seen the movie, there's like a very direct comparison you can make, say it's exactly this type of movie, but you can't say that without spoiling it. So, uh uh, I, I I might know what you're gonna say, but yeah, we'll we'll get to that. Uh, yeah, I, I was kind of trying to think of like what my ranking would be, and 
Um, I do think it is actually legitimately pretty tough because I I really do truly love all you know three of these movies. Um, and yeah, I would. I I think I like us a little bit more than most people, but yeah, I probably would maybe put that towards the bottom. But like the the degree of difference, like you know, between like each movies is like you know, it's very like small. You know, I like it's not like oh, this is a clear winner, and then this is like the worst one by a mile. It's you know, they're all very close to me at least. I th- I think for me, this one just appeals to me a little bit more in terms of the type mm-hmm. of movie it is. But the other thing that I think is a bit less subjective, and I mean, it's, it's still subjective to a point, don't get me wrong, but it's a bit less subjective and a bit, and I arguably a bit more objective, mm-hmm. is I think visually, this is the most spectacular or stunning film that he's made. Uh, there's, agree, yeah. there's some shots in this, and I know it had like an IMAX version with like the, the, the opened up ratio that's, where you, yeah. Yeah, that's what I, I saw it on. Yeah. So like... So some of those moments uh, are quite spectacular and uh, that actually plays into the themes of the film as well actually uh, mm-hmm. even just using that word but some of the moments in this like visually stand out to me more than anything in his previous two films and I think he had a new DP for this movie uh, someone that he hadn't used in the first two so I think that's also partially why he's, he has a new sort of collaborator that is, is helping him make this like visual spectacle that the film is uh, and, and tops of having you know the themes and the layers that he t- he typically does in his movies. Um, mm. If anything, like I was still, I wouldn't say they're that hidden in this. They're, they're still fairly mm. like close to the surface. But I would say with us and Get Out, they're like you know they're not even subtext. Like the the like <laughs> what, what he's talking about, what the movie's saying is like it's screaming at you practically, mm. um, especially in Get Out. And then us still pretty. I think this one. It, it, it's not like super like hard to think about or, or get mm-hmm. to. I, although that said, though, I think there's multiple themes at play, and maybe a critique yes, of the film yeah. could be that uh, it's maybe a little too many things going on thematically. Uh, you know, you could you could say that. Yeah, I, I have heard people make that uh, complaint, which uh, I think is fair. Uh, to me, though, it's like yeah there's definitely like a lot of stuff in here, but it's all done so well that it's like I don't really care. Like, you know. <laughs> Uh, like I'd, I'll gladly, you know, take a, you know, a, a slightly longer movie with some whatever tangents and and stuff that, uh, you know, that's as long as it's done like this well, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Well, I'm not even I'm not really talking about subplots or tangents. I'm I'm just mean like thematically, like does it get a bit muddy because it's like it's like talking sure. about too many things is really mm-hmm. what I'm saying. Um, I got you. Get but yeah, I don't I don't think we're gonna be able to talk about much without, without going into spoilers so I, I don't know how much left I, I really want to say uh, in the spoiler free section all on to say that I think it's very thrilling at points there's some stunning visuals uh, I do think it's relatively well paced uh, you know it's about 2 hours 10 minutes long it's not too long especially this year when I feel like there's so many movies that are coming out that are like 2.5 hours and up very much so, yeah. <laughs> so uh, that, that's felt like nothing uh, after some of those mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so I, I guess the other thing to mention is some of the other supporting cast. Uh, Stephen Yun's got a fairly prominent role in the film. It's very um, good. Yeah, um, I really know Brandon Perea, but he's he's uh, like the other main sort of actor in it. He plays uh, Angel. Or... I thought it was Angel. I never actually heard it in the movie to be honest, but oh. I, I was wondering if it was Angel. Uh, I I think at one point like Emerald calls him Angel, but oh, I mean, maybe maybe she's mispronouncing. It, I don't know. Well, of course, there's Mr. Gordy and 
<laughs> I, I forget the name of the was it the cinematographer or whatever guy at the end but he's uh, the, antlers and antlers he's uh the bad guy from the crow i believe that's where you, uh, see I, I remembered him as uh the guy from alien resurrection he's like the captain of the, the ship oh okay yes 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 yeah uh, uh, basically he very... did things in the 90s and i, I don't know what he's been doing <laughs> for the last 20 years but here here he popped up uh, he's great though he has this... a great voice like yeah also i love how you brought up gordy who's a chimpanzee just <laughs> without even mentioning that or i mean there is technically an actor listed because it's it's mocap like you know you know like andy circus in the the planet of the apes movies yeah but uh he's an mvp of the movie for me <laughs> most valuable primate uh, uh, um <laughs> i don't know why you say that well, why are you so giddy why, why, why are you in such a giddy mood tonight I don't know. Why are you being so cheeky? <laughs> I'm not being cheeky. This is not cheeky. <laughs> You're being a little cheeky. <laughs> Cheeky's being mischievous. I'm not being mischievous. Mm. I don't know. <laughs> You're pulling some pranks uh, earlier before the call. <laughs> what? <laughs> I didn't know such thing. How dare you? <laughs> All right. So full spoilers for, for Nope from, from this point on. Mm. Uh, you've been warned. So I guess, I guess the big twist of the movie that the the marketing's kind of hiding is that well technically a UFO it's actually a creature it's not a ship mm-hmm. uh, it is an alien entity itself well we assume it's an alien entity I mean it could have come from somewhere on Earth but uh, <laughs> is that, you know we don't really get answers to that but it looks like a classic UFO although to be honest see whenever they're underneath it it looks mm-hmm. like the underneath of a cowboy hat to me yes yeah every single time it was coming down and we were underneath looking up i was mm. like that looks like a cowboy hat to the point where I, I was almost expecting a reveal with a camera sort of like you know reveal the top of it at some point and it was actually just going to be a big giant cowboy hat it it wasn't <laughs> it didn't do that but it, mm. it was something that was in my head yeah i guess uh, i mean it could have it would have kind of fit i guess <laughs> it would it would have fit with it yeah well, you know, Who would it fit? Fucking Godzilla? <laughs> I didn't mean like that. I, I meant like it would fit like the the locale <laughs> that it's in because, you know, there's, uh, a, you know, uh, Jupiter's claim or, or whatever. There's, you know, everyone's kind of dressed cowboyish, and <laughs> So it would look similar. <laughs> what was that about Jupiter? Uh, what is it? Jupiter's claim or whatever. Stephen Yun's park or ranch or whatever you call it. Oh, Jup. Yeah, he's he's uh he's Jup. he's yeah, yeah he's he's known for Jup, which is a character he played as a kid, I assume. Yeah, but yeah. that whole but that whole area is like you know, kind of cowboy themed, so a cowboy hat would make sense. <laughs> well, that's that's what I was saying. Why would that make sense that the alien like entity in the sky <laughs> would be themed appropriately to the the people underneath? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he's trying to like blend in. I mean, <laughs> oh, why can it look, oh, why can oh. it look like a cloud? <laughs> it's, it's a giant ship in the sky. Oh, it's oh, no, but it's, it's all right. It's a cowboy hat. That makes sense here. If, if it looked like anything else, that would that would be weird. That would stick out. But a cowboy hat that makes sense. Hey, I mean, it obviously can change shape. It's not like it's that you know far out of the realm of possibility. Yeah, but I don't think it can just make any ship at once. I think I think it has stealth mode, which is just like a classic looking <laughs> UFO, and then it has open, which is what you see towards the end, where it sort of spawns out into this kind of 
butterfly esque mm-hmm. shape. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I said, yeah, so just switch switch modes. Yeah, yeah, it's just too much. It's not a shapeshifter, I don't think. Mm-hmm. In the well, sense well, that it can shapeshift to anything it wants. Well, then, wait, wait, then how is it a cloud <laughs> at some point? It's not a cloud. It's just inside a cloud. It's it's, it's like <laughs> it's deploying a cloud around it, and it's just. <laughs> Like it's inside the cloud. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what did you think it was actually like? I thought it, I thought it was going into cloud mode. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I thought it had three modes. <laughs> what? Well, but you're making myself doubt myself now. I, I don't. I don't think it literally becomes a vapor. I, I think it. I think mm. it surrounds itself with the same type of like you know gas or whatever. That will look like a cloud to to the eye. Yeah, right. <laughs> I think that's what it's doing. Right, it's just pumping that out around it. It's it's like a it's you know it's like cloaking itself in mist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it looks <laughs> like a cloud. A good explanation. Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh jeez, I'm gonna have an aneurysm by the end of this review. Oh. <laughs> You're the one that brought everything up about talking about how it looked like a hat. <laughs> Yeah, as a, a, a sly little anecdotal aside, that's all. It was a little cheeky. <laughs> there's, there's no cheekiness happening. <laughs> the only cheeky one on this podcast is you. Maybe. <laughs> so, right. So it's a giant creature that mm. sucks first up horses and then eventually people to eat them. And we get shots from the inside, and we see like kind of it's like digestion system, um, and basically the, the, the idea like uh, this is some of the most spectacular moments of the film is the um, is Stephen Yen's character. He's he he's just, you know, so his backstory. I guess we're getting into all this now because it, <laughs> it sets up this big bit in the middle, right? Mm-hmm. So there's glimpses throughout the film of this incident that happened in what turns out to be the 90s on a, a sitcom TV set. And in fact, the first thing we really see in the movie is a glimpse of this, which is a TV set, a studio, you know, with a shit like a multi-camera style comedy with a studio audience, but it's empty. And we get the glimpse of like a, like a foot, like sticking out as if someone's heart and the glimpse of a chimpanzee in the scene. And that's all we get early on. And we get, we get kind of context for it a little bit later when it turns out that Stephen Yen's character was this child star of like a commercial or something. And that got him this TV show. He was the, the, the kid actor on this TV show. And mm. it's infamous because when they were shooting an episode, the chimpanzee, uh, Gordy, which the show was sort of based around, uh, basically went savage during that, during an episode and killed some of the actors. Uh, and we find out later that he was actually hiding in the set under a table uh, being scared for his life and it kind of intercuts him telling this story like like it's a piece of trivia like, as he's showing them their me- his memorabilia and like hey you know this is like my legacy and i make money of this from this still and but when we cut back to the incident like he's terrified he's under a table he's like scared for his mm-hmm. life um and i think the moment you were kind of hinting at earlier is that probably one of the scariest moments i've seen in a movie this year is the simple moment where Gordy the chimpanzee makes eye contact with, mm. uh, well, with us really, but with with uh, yeah. young Stephen Yen yeah. under the table. 
Yeah, but yeah, it looks like he's looking right at you. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, this whole like sequence, uh, you know, is done so well. Like the, uh, I, I think the CGI looks really good. Obviously, they're not <laughs> using a real chimp. Like it'd be so funny if like the whole point of it is like. Oh yeah, you shouldn't like you know exploit animals because they can be very dangerous. But then they actually did use like a live chimp. That'd be uh, uh, dumb, but um, that'd be kind of funnily ironic. But uh, no, obviously it's a CGI chimp. But I, I think it looks really good, uh, especially like you know having the contrast of like him like wearing this very silly like birthday outfit, but he's just like kind of covered in blood, and just like uh, you know you don't even really see him doing much of the carnage, but like you see so much of you know, the aftermath and stuff <clears throat> and like that it's all just really unsettling and uh, especially kind of like how quiet it is, you know, cause like it's supposed to be, yeah. Like, you know, that typical nineties, like, you know, three camera sitcom and like, you're supposed to have like a live audience with a lot of energy and laughing. And that's kind of like what you hear in the beginning of the movies. Like you kind of hear, um, you know, like some like opening jokes and audience laughter uh, at the beginning, but then, when they show the full scene, it's just like very still and quiet. Um, and yeah, it's super unsettling. And then like, you basically see like, you know, like Gordy, like eating the face of like the, you know, older, uh, sister, like, you don't actually see it, see it, but you see him like, yeah, you know, it's doing like, that. And she's like behind the couch and we sort of see her feet sticking out or the mum's feet are sticking out. And you see the chimp sort of like banging on presumably someone's yeah. head or yeah, like you say, maybe eating someone. So you get, like, glimpses of this through, but then there's a section in the middle, though, where you get, like, the full, like, sort of, well, not the full, but you get, like, a good big chunk of it. And there's a great shot where it sort of comes in through the back of the soundstage. Yeah, and it's just this yeah, quiet yeah. shot sort of going up and coming around and looking at the TV set that this is happening on. And then, you know, it's just this one big shot, and it looks really cool, and it feels really suspenseful. You feel kind of the, the horror of the situation, and... You know, young Ricky, uh, Stephen Young's character, who's, like, hiding mm -hmm. under the table, he's looking out, and we get a lot of POV shots of his, like, point of view looking out. Mm -hmm. And I think very notably, because of where he's looking, we're looking at the empty seats, the you know, the empty, like, you know, stadium yeah. seating for the for the crowd. So they're empty, and it's kind of eerie, and the chimp's moving around, and he chases, like, the dad actor, who looked yeah. like Martin Mill, <laughs> but was not Martin Mill. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It but it wasn't him. But he, he chased him out through a door, and he came back in, and the, the chimp's got blood all over his like hands and his his face. And there's a moment where you're going, "Oh God, I hope he doesn't notice him." And then there's a, just a moment where the chimp just sort of looks down and looks right at the camera as if, "Oh shit, he's noticed them. He's noticed us watching." And he comes yeah. over, and he actually uh, goes to fist pump because <laughs> that's something he's been trained to do is sort of like put the the, the knuckle out, and. He gets shot just just as he's about to, the kid's about to make contact with his with his fist, mm -hmm. uh, in a sort of friendly manner. He gets shot. You know, whoever's coming to like you know the the police, the animal control, whoever's coming to like yeah. deal with the situation that the chimpanzees went you know crazy and started killing people, mm -hmm. comes in and shoots them. And the the only thing that's like maybe a, sorry that's maybe like a tad unbelievable is that like I'm like in reality they probably would have had like you know a, a bunch of like animal trainers with like dark guns or something like on set but i mean who cares whatever Ah, <laughs> uh, sure i mean i don't know maybe, maybe you could because part of the film is kind of the hubris of like doing stuff like this and sure, sure, sure. chasing yeah. a spectacle which is why I, which is why i specifically pointed out the the his point of view looking out was at the empty seats 
uh, and the idea of the audience there's, you know, there's meant to be an audience for this this was something that was done for entertainment's sake and that's yeah. like one of the main themes that runs throughout this and part of why because this, this subplot is fairly separate from most of the main characters it's only for this character <laughs> um, and we sort of hint at it throughout and then this character meets his demise like halfway or so throughout the film mm-hmm. and that's kind of you know it's over but the reason why it's there and the reason why it's so important is because one of the key themes of this film is the idea of not only chasing spectacle, but trying to capture it. And yeah, mm-hmm. you, you could argue this is maybe a bit like about social media and the, you know, try to go viral with the, the one, you know, mm-hmm. cool, crazy thing that'll make you famous or whatever. But it felt like to me, you know, cause, cause Jupe or Ricky, uh, has that character mm-hmm. as a kid surviving this instead of like seeing this as this horrific experience that he should like, mm-hmm maybe have learned some lessons from about the sort of things he gets involved in. He instead lives off of this, like this sort of period mm-hmm. of his life until adulthood where he's got this shitty little like cowboy theme park that he runs and does like shows mm-hmm. with them with horses and, and whatever else. And he's got all this memorabilia. He charges people to come and see it uh, or to mm-hmm. spend the night. As he points out, there's a couple that wanted to spend the night yeah. in his memorabilia room. But weird. If, if that's your kink and he's willing <laughs> to offer it, uh, why not? I suppose. But You've got all, all these things, and then ultimately he meets his demise, like, tr- intentionally trying to put on a show with the UFO, you know. We don't really know until this point that he knows about the mm-hmm. UFO, but it turns out he does, and he's actually been charging tickets to sort of, like, go it out to eat horses in front of people. And then, ultimately, <laughs> yeah. this gets him and all of his audience and his wife and kids killed. And it's like, okay, you learn nothing. And you, you've been yeah. chasing this fame, you've been chasing more success your entire life, and you're willing to go after this you know effectively an animal uh to to do it and i think a lot of this movie is about chasing a spectacle chasing of dangerous spectacle but then glorifying Mm -hmm. it and enjoying in it and i think that's there's almost like a meta quality to the film where we're enjoying the spectacle of this big ufo monster chasing people down but part of the point of the movie is the idea that we're we kind of you know we, we do have this thirst for that and we're looking for it um and dude, we'll, get, we'll get into this more in a bit because i think all the characters are have a different relationship to this in the movie mm. but i felt it was important to explain all this part for for ricky slash Jupe slash stephen young's character yeah because that's this thing that's been building up building up throughout the film and then builds up to this moment where we get kind of our basically so the movie i wanted to compare this to was jaws right this right, movie yeah, yeah. is jaws and this mm-hmm. scene where Stephen Yen tries to put on a show and then the UFO thing comes out and just sucks everyone up and eats them, basically. This mm-hmm. is the equivalent, kind of, not exactly, but it's the equivalent to the scene in Jaws where no one's really believing anything's going on, but then there's a scene where people actually start dying and they'll have to run onto the beach, you know? That's effectively, that was kind of the midpoint of Jaws where shit hits the fan. Oh shit, this is really serious now. Same thing mm-hmm. kind of here with this. This is the scene where it's like, oh, this is not just a group of characters who think they've seen a UFO and are trying to like capture it on film, which is kind of fun and it's kind of, you know, it's almost, uh, you know, a bit Close Encounters era, but, you know, other Steven yeah. Spielberg movies. But <laughs> this is where it's like, oh, shit, no, this thing is ultra dangerous and might suck us. Because up until this point, it's only eaten a couple of horses. It's not really been after human beings. You assume that, you assume it's behind the death of the father, but not by, like, intention, they just no. It, it spat out some coins and some keys and shit when it ate someone else, and that killed the dad by accident. But it didn't intentionally kill him. And I think at, at first you only really see it like you know, kind of like sucking up the horses and stuff. So like, if you're still thinking that it's like a, 
you know a ship or something you could reasonably be thinking that like oh maybe they're just oh yeah you know, yeah aliens abducting it and doing something with it on board the ship or something like you don't realize it's like oh no that yeah it's sucking it up to eat oh them. yeah because when it sucks up this crowd we get all these like really like terrifying shots inside its digestive system where they're all still alive scenes, yeah, yeah yeah and that's all really good and that's that's the reveal that's the reveal that it's a living thing it's not just a ship with things inside it um mm -hmm. it is mentioned before that because uh oj thinks that like he says no i don't think it's a ship because it's too quiet like the way it moves yeah. and i do love the shots you get before this where it's like you literally see it go like behind one cloud to behind another cloud mm -hmm. so it's like these like little creepy scenes of it just moving silently <laughs> in the sky and yeah. it does this thing where you know it sort of sneaks up in people much like a shark in jaws or <laughs> similar kind of things mm -hmm. um all that stuff is is cool, but no, I was I was I, the reason why I set all this up is because yeah, the scene of it digesting the people is really good, but even more than that is that they're still in there screaming when it's moving around for the next couple of minutes. You can still mm -hmm. hear the people screaming, and it's not yeah. until it's above the house and it starts basically just kind of like getting rid of all the blood of the people it's just <laughs> killed, <laughs> and it's like so you get this glorious shot of the the house and the ranch where it's pour, pouring a rain. But the, because the ship slash monster is above the house, you can see like kind of where the rain's coming down off the edges of this ship because it's sort of mm -hmm. like it's, it's a big umbrella, effectively, right? Yeah. But then inside, underneath the ship where the house is, you've got a separate rainfall of blood coming from the <laughs> the the ass of the ship, basically. Yeah. And that visual was like like that I was, was awesome. in, I was yeah. enjoying the movie up until that point but that was the moment where okay you know what I get this movie now like <laughs> I, like I get what's special about this now and this is very effective this is kind of horrific and mm. it's like yeah we're, we're, we're doing Jaws but it's a big flying thing in the sky instead of a shark in the water and that's fun <laughs> like you know <laughs> I think just, just on like a, a a movie going level it's just a fun like monster movie the, with the chase oh, and the you know the sneaking about and the the threat and the danger mm -hmm. oh absolutely and it, i feel like it's doing a lot of unique things where like um i mean maybe it's been done before but like you know just you know stuff like the idea of you know the the ship actually being the creature it's like oh like i think that's a pretty novel idea that um you know seemed pretty new to me and then uh yeah just the way they visually represented a lot of stuff like the inside of its digestive system you know it's just such a yeah creepy eerie like it just it, it feels like so claustrophobic and like um it, it like it kind of looks like what i imagine like the inside of those like inflatable you know tube men that like you know they use like later on in the movie like it almost kind of reminds me of that like you know it's a lot of like very like flappy like you know sheets or something uh it feels like but yeah, it just looks so cool and uh yeah i, I don't know like it's it seemed like just like a very like interesting like fresh take on like aliens and ufos that uh, i don't know I, I hadn't really seen before which uh is cool because that's always something i've been really interested in and i feel like that was a big thing in the 90s but you don't really see like you know too much like uh like the, i feel like the kind of the ufo and alien hysteria like um has never really recovered from like you know the the height of the 90s where you had so many like sleazy like you know ufo sightings shows and like alien autopsies and, and stuff um but I, I miss that stuff I, I like these aliens yeah i've never i've certainly never seen something where it really genuinely looks like a ship but then turns out mm -hmm. to not be a ship uh, mm -hmm. I, at least off the top of my head i can't think of any examples of that i can maybe like think of 
you know, like, it's a giant monster movie, but when you get, like, the, maybe, like, the, the second-hand accounts early on, where you're not really sure what it is yet, maybe some of the witnesses, like, mistake it for a ship, and they'll say, you know, but it turns out to be, like, some, you know, dragon-looking thing, or, you know, or, or whatever it may be, but... Uh, th- th- this definitely felt a little bit more specifically unique, to, at least to me. Uh, I-, I don't think yeah. I've encountered this this specific idea of tricking us into thinking it looks like a UFO because it does look a UFO. It's like a classic mm-hmm. flying saucer, and yeah. then it turns out no, 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 no. It's actually a living thing that's uh, that's that's eating. Uh, and where did <laughs> it come from? Who knows? But where did it go? Mm-hmm. Something, something caught an eye, Joe. So. <laughs> No. Okay. okay. <laughs> I'm familiar with the song. I didn't. I didn't know that's where you're going. <laughs> I was. I didn't intend to when I started it, but then I. I realized that. Oh, I could. <laughs> I, yeah. I could take this path, and I did. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, bait me, basically. Um, so I no like like the, like, the first half because I, I think it's probably easier to talk about it in two halves because mm-hmm. up until this point it is very much. Oh, like OJ sees something move in the sky. I think Emerald maybe sees a little bit too. And there's this idea of like, if we can like film this, then you know this could be our ticket to like some sort of fame and fortune. And particularly from Emerald, and Emerald right from the start of the film is clearly one who is chasing success in that way. She's you know? a bit more ambitious and like yeah. yeah, it seems like OJ just kind of wants to run the the business like the way his dad is like the seems like they're both kind of living in like you know their dad's shadow who seemed to be kind of like the big you know kind of showman like leader of the business or whatever but, and then i mean i probably mentioned just in case i didn't keith david plays the the dad in the opening fantastic yeah, yeah. and anytime you can get keith david you gotta get yeah. keith david <laughs> oh yeah he's great i love keith david um yeah. the like i think you know right from the get-go she shows up late to this job early on and OJ's very uncomfortable. He's clearly not good at doing the, the talking with the, the big wigs and the execs and the, the other people on set. It feels like he's doing this out of obligation because he he believes in his father's legacy, but he's not actually a showman and he doesn't actually necessarily yeah. want fame and fortune. He's not chasing spectacle. Whereas the sister, Emerald, kind of is. She, you know, she's she mentions she's doing like singing she's acting she's directing <laughs> like she's basically dipping she, her to- she mentions like craft services yeah. she's like <laughs> she, she's dipping her toes and her fingers in all mm-hmm. the pies and the hope that one of them's going to be the success that one of them's going to be mm-hmm. what catapults her so when they get an idea of like oh maybe we can capture this on film they're like well yeah but you get tons of shitty you know clips or photos <laughs> or whatever of, of aliens and you see them on tv shows mm-hmm. and you see them on the internet it has to be proof. It has to be something that's unquestionably real. That this is proof that a UFO exists. Like the, all that part of the movie, and they sort of befriend uh, Angel, who works at the uh, at Fry's Electronics, who, who <laughs> comes out to install the stuff. Kind of gets that they're doing something about UFOs, and then you know, kind of illegally, uh, also watches some of the feed <laughs> of their cameras looking at the sky. Uh, and gets involved uh, basically more and more as it goes on. But them try to catch stuff on the camera and uh, th- this idea, everyone remembers the first poster of this movie, which is just a cloud with the button come out of it, mm-hmm. uh, which is the, and for people who don't know what, the, what button is, it's just, you know, the, all the little flags on a string uh, that you get at fairs and, you know, maybe I could use car <laughs> like place. Uh, but, you know, everyone remembers that cloud with that coming out of it. And the way it actually happens in the movie is that uh, Emerald steals like a a model horse or a, sta- a horse statue mm-hmm. with button on it 
from the theme park and basically leaves it out as like a like as bait or something (laughs) and sure enough the ufo takes it and doesn't digest it properly because it's not a real you know animal and for a while not the whole movie but for a while has this like this like tail coming down (laughs) to kind of indicate and that's why you know because it's like hiding in a cloud all the time you get this like cloud with the button coming out of it and that's that's the visual and it's like and it very much is the fin it's the it's the jaws it's the shark fin from jaws a couple of times in this movie uh it, it doesn't overdo it but it's de- definitely made me think of it the few times mm-hmm. that they, they used it as a as a you know a device to like set up things um yeah so yeah yeah, uh, yeah uh, the, the, so the first half's good fun because of that like the, the them trying to capture this and look in for it and you know angel's mm-hmm. even a character who's chasing spectacle in a different way he mentions he got dumped by his girlfriend who has uh, got a pilot at the CW. So this idea that he resents the fact that he was dumped because she's went off to chase fame. So he kind of wants to chase fame in his own way and be a part of this. He wants mm. to be a part of that. And the other thing we have to mention is the uh, the family kind of backstory as well, uh, mm-hmm. which was in, the I think, the second trailer had this stuff in it as well. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's this idea that uh, their great-great-great-grandfather was the horse rider in the first ever uh piece of footage uh, to test a camera which was uh a man riding in a horse and this is something that uh is brought up by them in the film and it's kind of like their their like their company's calling card of like hey we, we we have this legacy to hollywood so much like how uh ricky is clinging to his like child stardom with the the tv show with with gordy and whatever else he did as a kid this family's kind of clinging to this legacy of like this this first thing uh, way back at the dawn of, of filmmaking. Uh, this was mm-hmm. the, the first time, the first spectacle that was ever recorded was just simply someone riding the horse. But at the time mm-hmm. it was, like the idea that you could, you know, f- get footage of that, even though oh, it was yeah. only two seconds, it was something, right? Uh, yeah. So they're kind of chasing that dream to be the first to do this now. Yeah, no, it is like a cool like, you know, like a little piece of history for the family and then yeah, it, you know, it, it's nice then to, you know, see them, uh, you know, have that little speech about it. And it's kind of cool to see, you know, pretty much everyone in the family, like, you know, gives their own version of it. Like, OJ tries saying it, but obviously he's like, he's not really a showman. Like, so you can't really, <laughs> like, get it out that correctly. And then, you know, Emerald kind of has, like, you know, her, uh, you know, version of it. And then, like, later on, you kind of hear, like, an old tape where, like, the dad is saying it. So uh, it was cool. Yeah, because I, I think like it sets up that OJ is not really a chasing spectacle. Emerald yeah. is because mainly for money. Uh, Angel kind of doesn't like his job and his status and wants mm-hmm. to feel more important. And then we introduce Antlers, who was the director of the commercial at the start, who then gets sort of roped in. Uh, I say roped in. He very willingly becomes involved when he starts to believe that there is some sort of UFO to film because he wants to get the impossible shot. He wants to be the cinematographer who captures this special film. And we see him at his place, like, watching footage of just, like, various, like, animals and insects, like, killing each other. And, like, he's clearly into doing extreme nature stuff that no one else could get. Like, no one else could capture this. And this is, like, very much where, like, the Jaws comparison, like, is just really in your face now. It's like, oh, this is Quint. Like, this is, kind of very much the Quint character. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think thematically, this one's a bit more villainous than Quinn, and in the sense that mm-hmm. what he's doing in this feels a bit more exploitational. 
mm-hmm. or exploit exploitive i guess is the word mm-hmm. uh but you know because i mean he, he he does all this like he gets all these footage of all these different animals i don't know i saw this as kind of villainous i saw him as kind of a soulless person interesting i didn't really get that from him uh to me it just seemed like he's just like you know after that like amazing shot like he just wants to well, record this stuff i'm not saying he's evil per se but like he get. i mean the movie he gets his comeuppance he dies because he's not willing to let it go like i think the movie gives him his comeuppance mm. but that doesn't uh, to me that doesn't seem like an evil thing though <laughs> like he just wants that shot <laughs> I mean, not necessarily evil. That that specifically itself's not evil, but like the idea that he, not so much the capturing like he's... actual actual like moments of nature mm-hmm. is a problem necessarily. But if he's mm-hmm. if he in any way is manipulating the events to get the animals into these positions, which sure. they were seeing, then he that's kind of <laughs> evil. Well, I mean the the like, you know you're talking about like you know chasing spectacle and and stuff, which I think in a way you can also very much see it as you know you're trying to exploit nature uh which yeah you, you know there's t- tons of examples in the movie you know, between mr gordy and even like you know using the horses and then yeah they're you know trying to uh you know exploit this kind of unknown creature for you know i guess technically they're they're selfish <laughs> reasons or, or well, whatever no, but, but not oj oj is the one that isn't selfish though Right, 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 yeah. But I, and I think that's important, because OJ seems to care more about the horses at the start horses, than, yeah. than he does about, like... Like, yeah, he needs the money. He needs to actually, you know, earn a living. But he's not, like, really into it. He's constantly concerned about the horse. He's constantly saying, mm-hmm. please don't do this to the horse. Um, like, he, he he cares about them. And I mm-hmm. think that's the... Because there was a moment, so when they're, they're coming up with their plan, when everyone's sort of on board... And it's like, okay, mm-hmm. we have to try and do this. Because, you know, the night before, like, after the whole rain of blood thing, they all kind of flee. Mm-hmm. And, like, after the, the, the aliens left and they wake up in the morning, they sort of slowly kind of sneak up to, like, uh, uh, Angel's van so they can just get out of there. But they decide mm-hmm. to ultimately go back and try and capture footage of it uh, for all these these reasons. Uh, but also maybe to save the world if this is, like, a dangerous alien that's going to keep killing people yeah. and, you know, all these reasons. But the filmmaker comes in just because he wants the shot. He's not doing this to help them. He's doing this because he just wants the the fame and whatever. Mm-hmm. And, of course, there's other examples of this. Uh, you know, there's the, the random uh, motorcyclist with the silver chrome helmet. Uh, yeah, the yeah TMZ guy or whatever. Yeah. Was that just an assumption on their part or was it actually, like... Uh... <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I guess so, but I I kind of go with it because I they mean, seem. You know. I mean, I, even if it's not TMZ, they're they're right in the sense that it's you know something of that nature. It's some yeah. you know sleazy journalist uh, photographer who's uh, trying trying to get the scoop here because they've heard things are going on, uh, and also gets his comeuppance. Might I add? Yeah, uh, for, <laughs> very for the way. much so. For but because there's a moment where I almost like questioned i was like wait are they making all these characters unlikable to me because there's mm-hmm. a moment they're, they're, they're discussing their plan and they've got the map out and they're using the monopoly pieces to sort of like say where they're going mm-hmm. to be going and oj says something to the effect of um he's talking about the animal and how uh it has it's got spirit it's got it's got personality but like an animal's spirit can always be broken and I almost disliked him in that moment because I'm like, well, wait a minute now. 
there's nothing there's no way you can talk about breaking someone's spirit or an animal's spirit without sounding like the villain because that inherently mm-hmm. is not something that i'm going to like you for that that's like a a very inhumane right. thing to do to anything <laughs> um yeah. so I, I, you know i was like okay like are, are we setting up some sort of like a, a sort of downbeat theme here but then I, I was thinking about it more and i was thinking about it specifically with the character of oj is that oj i think ultimately survives and ultimately when he's talking about breaking the animal spirit he's only talking about it in the sense of gaining control because he's someone who works with animals he's like mm-hmm. like i've said the whole time he's not chasing the spectacle he's not doing this because he wants to you know capture footage of it um that's his sister's dream kind of i mean obviously he said yes to it he's going along with it because he does need the money but that's not ultimately what he cares about or what he's what he's going for um this becomes about taming an animal that's that's hurting people and that's mm-hmm. very much the type of thing that he does you know he keeps the horses calm um that's not to say that i'm i think that he's growing attached to it or cares about it in the same way that he does care about the right. horses but i feel like from him it's coming more from an animal handler perspective as opposed oh, sure. to uh like we have to exploit this thing for for rich and it's the same thing because uh like i said so the director the cinematographer dude uh, antlers he who brings like a because one of the the plot points of the movie is that all of the uh electricity always stops working underneath this this thing so he brings like a a a camera that's you know you just uh spin it yourself you know it's no no electrical equipment at all oh it's got big imax reels on it i didn't notice uh, there was an imax symbol slapped on it maybe, maybe they got a discount for the imax camera to shoot the movie by uh doing some product placement i don't know but uh you know he dies because he runs off to get more of a shot he i think he even says to angel you don't deserve the the big shot you don't deserve the special moment or something like that mm-hmm. as he's running off so he goes away tries to get his shot and dies he gets sucked up into mm-hmm. the thing he even gets some of the uh footage of his camera as he gets sucked up into the into the alien whereas angel on the other hand he chooses not to save the footage of the cameras that he's next to and instead chooses to save his life instead you know he ends up sort of realizing that if he wraps himself in barbed wire the tarp that he's kind of fallen into that the the thing won't be able to eat him and digest him so he's able to save his life over the the footage he makes a choice for himself rather than chasing the the fame or or, or the spectacle mm-hmm. um so you know I, I i think the movie is very much doing a thing where certain characters are getting comeuppance and there's arcs for characters mm-hmm. who you know i think emerald ultimately does survive and gets kind of like a photograph of the the thing uh i i you know i saw someone say this online i can't take credit for it but uh she you know obviously they refer to the money shot a couple of times she gets mm-hmm. a photo of it using like the you know the the, the coin slot like for camera and the theme like, park well yeah yeah that's just you know up the way and mm-hmm. so you know it's, it's literally like money shot like she's spending money to get the shot i don't know maybe, maybe that's too cute oh, well. Uh, but i think she ultimately earns living though in the movie because when her brother oj is willing to sacrifice himself for her because you know we get this big scene they've got this big plan where they've got all the uh the the inflatable men that kind of like you know blowing the wind (laughs) connected to car batteries all out spread across the ranch so they can tell where the ufo is because they'll start you know because the electricity in the batteries will die when this ufo is over them so we get this big sequence, and I, you know, I love this shit. I love them coming up with a plan. I love that there's rules that have been established that they're adhering to, that they're using to like tell, is it here, is it there? 
um, so and so on. Admittedly, the plan falls apart pretty quickly once uh, things get going, but that's, you know, neither here nor there. <laughs> so, um, you, you, but this is a big moment where OJ's on a horse and he, he's been telling his whole movie, like, you know, don't make eye contact because once you make mm-hmm. eye contact with most animals, that's when you get their attention and that's where if they're going to be dangerous they will and that, that's what made the gordy uh, the chimpanzees bit so scary is that that had already been established at that point so when he looked at us it's like oh shit it felt like a big deal uh yeah. and then here you know at this point the the ufo aliens opened up and it's got this big sort of butterfly kind of thing uh that it, it's now looking like <laughs> he makes the choice to make eye contact so that his sister can get away on the the, the biker's bike because the biker's dead <laughs> uh he actually has quite a funny death where uh because he's got an electric bike, it just stops working when he's going really fast, so he just kind of... <laughs> yeah, you know, just... Flies off. Flies. <laughs> yeah, that, that, was, that was pretty funny. <laughs> it's not without some like, moments of humor. I'll say that. Oh, no, yeah. I, I think there's, like, plenty of laughs in the movie. Uh, and, yeah, even though a lot of stuff we're describing sounds very, you know, like, dark and grim, but uh, it, it it is actually very, uh, you know, a lot, lot of funny stuff. <clears throat> um, yeah, like, even when... You know that that biker guy is like on the ground and like OJ's trying to come over <laughs> and uh and save him. Like, you know the 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 biker's like you know his, his the first thing he's saying is like oh like you know where's where's my camera? Can you film me? Like, make sure to film this. Like, you know, like that even when he's like about to you but know be sucked up, like I he's still the, the all very concerned f- about it. The very first thing he says to him is why aren't you filming? I think that's the very first thing he says yeah. to him. <laughs> Uh, which again is this idea of like like w- w- we're all willing to go to to have that moment of like spectacle mm-hmm. caught on camera so we can use it for our, our own gain uh like that that's like reiterated over and over again so anyway so we get back to emerald like and her like so oj willing to because oj and emerald i think at the start of the film are quite di- distant from each other they feel like they're not really that friendly with each other they're brother and sister but they don't really feel like they're close and then over the course of the movie that kind of you know the relationship progresses. It feels like they're getting closer. And it's actually one thing I kind of enjoyed because uh, I think I think they're both uh, you know great actors, and uh, I really like these characters. And it was fun to kind of see them, yeah, you know, like bonding a little bit and you know getting to know them throughout the movie. Yeah, and here he's like willing to sacrifice himself to save her, mm-hmm. and I think this th- this moment for for her as a character is like maybe you know. Because OJ doesn't feel like a character who's very, really good at expressing himself. You know, he's very quiet a lot of the time. He's very kind of, you know, like there's moments early on when he's with other people that's quite cringy because it's kind of just awkward because he's too, he's too uncomfortable to say anything. He's too uncomfortable to, uh, even even just speak the, up and give like safety directions. Never mind actually open up emotionally to anyone. Yeah. That opening scene with him, uh, yeah, at the like studio with the horse uh, before his sister gets there is like. It, it honestly it's it's kind of like the hardest thing to watch in the movie just because yeah like you said it is so cringy um and there's like so much going on that it's like uh you know something bad is gonna happen especially like when they really start getting into the horse's face and you just like want to be like ah, like I, I know it's like hard for him but you just really want him to like kind of speak up uh you know for himself yeah and uh, if anything, like, she's so confident when she comes in making this big, like, mm-hmm. sales pitch speech, which has obviously been rehearsed, it's, it's almost cringy in the opposite direction, where oh, sure, yeah. it's, like, so... It's like you go from someone who's too awkwardly quiet to someone who's too 
too confident and too like, yeah. oh, this feels like a little bit cringy on the other side. But uh, like, I think this moment is like this genuine, like you know, him willing to sacrifice himself for her and seemingly doing so. Obviously, we find out right in the last moment that he has survived, that he he got away. And that's because for, as far as the movie's logic goes, and when I talk about the movie's logic and earning survival, like, we're kind of like, mm-hmm. it's almost like a slasher movie rule where people, certain people deserve to live, certain people deserve to die in the context mm-hmm. of the movie, right? As far as the movie's rules go. And I think she ultimately has felt this like connection to her brother here, which changes kind of her motivation after this. I think her motivation in the final scenes where she's on the bike and she drives down to the, the theme park area and is like intentionally kind of like luring it by like driving through the police tape that's there. Cause it's a crime scene now. Cause all these people like disappeared. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I really like this scene. I, I especially love when she does like the the little motorcycle side slide like from a uh, Akira, which is really cool. <sighs> Akira, the anime shit. I don't. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How dare you? Uh, but you know, oh, she, it's a famous. Uh, I know. Famous I know. Slide. I know. <laughs> but she's she's got the police. Which tape. Jordan Peele was actually supposed to direct the live action version for a while, so I, I wasn't sure if that was like a nod to that. Uh, maybe. Yeah. Uh, but she's got this police tape like round her right she's driven through it mm-hmm. so she's sort of, and this is a constant thing is that they kind of lure it multiple times with having you know either the the button the flags or something that dangles from something as a as a lure to sort of make it follow someone and mm-hmm. she ends up you know going over to the, the the camera that's aiming up from the well uh and taking some photos of it uh after she releases the big balloon it's a big like balloon of like the like uh you know jup jups like child character. It's like a balloon of that. And it's you know it's one of these big hot air balloon things and it goes out of the sky and uh ultimately actually kills the monster and it kind of explodes when it tries to eat this big, you know, helium filled balloon. Uh which is kind of a spectacular thing. It's almost like a cloud explodes when it happens. It's it's quite uh it's quite cool. I really like the. Uh, I I think I saw some people like complaining about it, but I actually really like when it's transforming, like at the end here. Mm. Uh, I don't know, like it's, uh, just like a very interesting, like unique, <coughs> um, like visual for it. Like it's, uh, I can't even really like describe it, <laughs> you know, because it's like, um, it does look very alien. Like it's not like there's like, you know, a lot of creatures like that look like that on Earth, but, um. Yeah, like w- the way it starts, uh, like transforming and changing, uh, towards the end here, I just thought was really cool. Yeah, I said butterfly like because it's symmetrical, but I mean, yeah, I just got you know, kind of open, you know, it's, it's not quite wings, but it's, it's kind of goes wide at the sides, like you know, it, it's the best I can think of to sort of like paint mm-hmm. a visual, but it's yeah, it is very unique and that, that's cool. But mm-hmm. you know, I think her motivation here to get proof of it existing, uh, is is, is more about just proving it exists, you know, mm-hmm. r- rather than the spectacle. Although she still kind of gets that effectively as a reward. She gets the photographs uh, at the ending, which is, uh, which is cool. Um, so it's, uh, you know, it's, it's got some big moments. It's, it's got all these, like, these things that build up to it. Um, the, you know, some of the creepier moments earlier on, which are really cool, is... Basically, we may have seen it a couple of times, but it's an Angel who comes in and says, look, and he's like basically found evidence that there's a cloud that's not moving. And that's like, mm. it's like oh, it's, it's sitting there all the time. Like all day, every day, it's sitting right there. And it just mm. looks like a cloud. And we just can't tell that it's there. Like that's, that's you know, that's really, that's a fun little set. You know, it's a fun idea. And then later on, yeah. 
Uh, it's it's kind of like once you know, it's okay. All right, so there's some element of proof here, at, at least in a, the sense that, uh, like they all just know without a shadow of a doubt, it's there now, and they believe it, and there's no there's no ambiguity to them, and because of that, you can get behind them when they start forming plans, and it's like okay, we have to try and do this, and we have to try and figure out a way to trap it, and it feels so dangerous after after the whole like you know the the crowd of people have been eating and the bloods come pouring down the house. At that point, it feels so. Like, how can you possibly take this on? How can you possibly yeah. feel this? So you almost do kind of, like, get get kind of, like, a, an F yeah kind of moment written for them when he's like, mm-hmm. no, we're going to do this. And they all kind of one by one decide they're going to join in because at first it's just OG and the cinematographer do it are like, yeah, I'm going to be up here with the camera and I'm going to be here doing this. And then the other two come up along and say, okay, I'm going to be here then and I'll be here. And mm-hmm. they all kind of, like, sign up one by one uh, to, to take part in this. Uh, <clears throat> it's... Yeah, it's really fun, you know, like you were saying before, like, I like that, you know, like, you kind of get rules uh, around this creature, like, <clears throat> you know, you don't fully understand it, but you do know some of the dangers of it and some of the limitations you have around it, so it makes it really fun when they are devising this plan to, you know, g- get these workarounds and to be able to ca- capture it, and, uh, yeah, and, and that's all really fun. <laughs> I, I do like that it, like, you know, you, you don't really think about it, uh you know, at the start of the movie, but then by the end, it like it, it kind of becomes like a movie about making movies, like in like in a funny way, uh, which I thought is like uh, kind of interesting. And I was like, <laughs> you know, when they do that, well, it's just kind of the <clears throat> it's the it's the meta thing. It's um, <laughs> it's you know, because it's kind of cr- criticizing to a point the idea of us chasing spectacle, even at yeah. the expense of our safety, and. <laughs> Like, this horrific thing happens to young uh, Stephen Young, but mm-hmm. he doesn't really learn from it. He ch- instead mm-hmm. chases it and sort of uses it as, like, a currency, effectively, for the rest like, of his life. Yeah, like, well, one of the things that I think is, like, really uh, kind of, like, darkly funny uh, <clears throat> and, uh, and like, you know, interesting is when they juxtapose those scenes of you know how violent and horrific like gordy is but then when they just cut back to yeah steven yoon's character and he's like kind of like smiling like almost thinking like he's like thinking back about it like fondly and you know it, it's kind of like another way of uh you know another instance of having to like exploit something like he's basically exploiting his childhood drama yeah, to yeah. you know kind of have this like career because really you know that should <laughs> That would, like that would mess up anyone for life. There, there's yeah. a really stark cut when he's telling them the story or part of it anyway in the uh, in the memorabilia room. It's not mm. when we see the full thing. That's not until later. But there's a quick cut to him being scared under the table as a kid and how horrifying it looks. And then it cuts back mm. to him just smiling and joking about it. And you know, there's like a it shows you the the difference. Yeah, and like when he first tells them about it, he doesn't actually tell them like a, about what happened. Instead, he tells them about like what Saturday Night Live said about it you know like he's describing the sketch that saturday night live did instead of actually being like oh no it was horrific he's like oh was, yeah they did such a good job of spoofing it <laughs> like that's yeah like so funny and like but also like kind of dark to think if i yeah, yeah about, that's actually like, that's one of the details as well is uh when he's doing the the show that gets like him and all the crowd killed uh the sister from the tv show is in the crowd and she's got like a veil over her face she's, she's wearing a t-shirt with her child's her child image on it right just so people know it's her but when you actually get a glimpse of her face like her face is all you know 
been chewed up and scarred and yeah. she's like missing her lips and stuff you know mm-hmm. so she's still kind of like living off the fame as well and what's happened yeah. to her despite the fact that it did this to her and <laughs> you know at one, at one point Stephen Yanni says and hey my sister from childhood over there my first crush she had a crush on her when we worked together um and it's it, it all just feels a little there's this like Hollywood sleaze like element mm-hmm. to it where like everyone's trying to like make it and prove that they've got do you know what, do you know what actually do you know what the weirdest thing that i think this compares to in a weird way a, a, a companion piece this uh-huh. kind of feels like a more mainstream accessible version of the neon demon okay okay <laughs> i'll need you to explain that a little bit well, tell, mostly well, because i don't remember much of the movie but <laughs> well that movie's about people coming to la to be models and yeah, how right. they're willing to like sort of turn into monsters to try and, and take it mm-hmm. uh, and losing their humanity to do so and it's all kind of like mm-hmm. vapid and surface level like you know definitely if one of your themes in a movie is the losing your soul to to chase the dream of being rich and famous and especially mm. in the entertainment sector in hollywood then you know i, I think this fits into that sure. uh, i don't want to call it a subgenre, but yeah there's definitely a number of movies and stuff that kind of fit into that and mm-hmm. this definitely does and i think the idea that it's very comparable to jaws which many people call the first blockbuster uh yeah i mean it is and it isn't like there's like you know on collector's cut we just did uh like 70s disaster movies and like mm-hmm. poseidon adventure that came out in 1972 that's definitely a blockbuster they didn't use the term yet but that's what it mm-hmm. is it's a summer blockbuster it just wasn't a, a thing yet you know uh mm-hmm. but jaws is the, the the original summer blockbuster that's what people that's what people kind of look at as coining that term mm-hmm. and created that idea so the idea that this movie and- compares to that and it's about chasing your big thing it's about chasing the dream of hollywood also kind of feels perfect as a as a, you know as a as a as a pair as a marriage yeah. between two ideas <laughs> you know where the term uh blockbuster comes from right <laughs> i don't know if this is going to be a real fact or a joke but do enlighten me uh well no it would be it'd literally be like the line to see the movie was so long it would go around the block ah so but uh yeah, and so, but yeah, I feel like basically that just means, you know, it was a really popular movie, which, yeah, there are really popular movies uh, before Jaws, but um, I'm sure it's like, yeah, one like snappy newspaper or something coined that term and like took a photo or something. Oh, that, of course, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, I actually didn't know that. That's why it was called a blockbuster. Mm-hmm. Mainly because we don't call streets blocks in the UK, so it never occurred to me. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I probably heard that on like, a, a, when I worked at Blockbuster, I'm sure they had that on like one of the preview tvs that mm. they <laughs> they must have said that fact at some point although notably we did have blockbuster the store but <laughs> that's you know <laughs> not anymore obviously <laughs> but yeah yeah um what else did i want to say <laughs> um and so uh i'll talk about chimps uh for a quick second <laughs> the sure um, Here's another fun fact, though, because like, I don't know if you know, um, like, how, like, dangerous, like, chimps, uh, you, like, really are, but, like, they are extremely vicious, and uh, so, like, whenever you see, because uh, I, I do think, it is kind of funny that they have, like, this, like, cheesy sitcom, because I do think, you know, it was kind of a trope, like, 
when you watch like 90s sitcoms like full house or you know like uh family matters or something there would always be an episode where like uh someone like has a chimp for whatever reason and you know they the chimp runs through the house causing havoc or whatever um but whenever you see like a chimp on like those sitcoms or tv show or whatever it's always a baby chimp uh you know so they always kept probably like look like a little smaller and the reason is because yeah, like once they go through puberty, like they're strong, they're vicious. Yeah, <laughs> they can like they can like easily kill you. Like they, yeah, will literally like rip off your face or yeah, like you know chew off your genitals and stuff. They're extremely vicious and um, yeah. So some I feel like sometimes people have this idea of chips of being like oh these silly little you know <laughs> goofy <clears throat> like things you would see on tv like wearing a diaper or whatever but no they're they're monstrous and uh yeah i, I volunteered at an animal sanctuary out here for a little bit and they had a section for um they were taking care of chimps and, and these were ones that were used for like medical research so they were very you know rightfully pissed off <laughs> you know at, at humans but um yeah they were the the scariest things like i've ever seen like when you would walk by them like they're full grown so like they're huge like they look so much bigger than the chimps you would see on tv and they're like just all muscle and like you'd walk by and they just like have this like hate in their eyes for like you because you're a human and they would just walk back and forth like looking at you <clears throat> and um you know they would have like uh drills and stuff at the animal sanctuary for like if you know uh if any animals got out like ever got out like they would be like you know you'd have these procedures be like oh like you know, report to this area hide here or whatever and you know, I asked one of the, like, uh, guides there before, like, oh, like, you know, what, like, what is, like, the, what would be the most dangerous or, like, scariest animal that would get out? And this is a place that had, like, lions and tigers and bears and stuff, but the guy said, like, oh, the chimps, like, man, if, if the chimps get out, we're screwed. <laughs> like, just, like, like, find somewhere to hide and just pray that, you know, like, uh, that they don't find you because, yeah, like, they, you know, won't have any mercy. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, I, I I just thought the uh, that you know made the uh, yeah Mr. Gordy stuff just you know, uh, I, I, I particularly think, effective. Yeah, I think part of that as well is like having respect for like nature and like the Absolutely, idea that yeah. you know like the hubris of like we can control this animal and like no you can't <laughs> like not really not yeah. if it decides <laughs> to act out for whatever reason. Uh, <laughs> you know, like that is very much, I think, part of the film's uh, uh, message. But there's also the idea that you shouldn't try and control an animal just for, you know, entertainment. Just yeah, just for entertainment's yeah. sake. Yeah, yeah, she, like yeah, if you have to control an animal because like it's in a dangerous place and people are resting, yeah, you have to have a way to deal with it. But <laughs> you know, and ultimately that's what has to happen with the. Uh, uh with what, what did they end up calling it by the end like jean, jean jacket jean jacket <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh because because it's not until later on but when it's flying around you can see it rippling a little bit as if oh wait there's like a fabric equality to it's not just it's not like metal you know mm. uh which I, obviously by that point you already know it's a living thing so you wouldn't necessarily think metal per se but you would think solid you would think you know like a sort yeah. of gray flesh or or whatever uh but then obviously it's no it's, it's more of a a fabric which is why it can open and become this kind of like butterfly-esque thing you know yeah and i do, I do like the way the the movie kind of like split it up like they would have these you know titles that would be like the horse's names and then yeah the mm. last one it gives you his jean jacket i thought that was kind of cool yeah and then at the end you get nope in the same title and nope is, <laughs> there is a moment where someone like 
you know, says nope. Uh, there's like, there's like a, mm-hmm. this is the movie title moment. Um, it's mm-hmm. when uh, OJ's on the way back to the house after he's witnessed part of the, the, the UFO eating mm-hmm. the, all the crowd at the, the theme park show. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's on his way back and the car breaks down because of uh, the electricity you know thing that happens mm-hmm. with the, with the ship and he opens the door and just looks up and it's right above him he can see the big like the hole in the middle of it and he just closes the door and goes nope yeah <laughs> <laughs> and it made me laugh and it's like it probably would be mildly amusing anyway mm-hmm. but because the title of the movie i did laugh because it was, oh there it is there there's the yeah. <laughs> there's the nope moment I, yeah i thought that was great but you know what they i i don't think i actually noticed it the you know other two times that i watched it but uh they actually do say it like right at the beginning um actually when they're doing like the sitcom lines like one of the very first lines uh when the movie starts is like you know the dad is like saying something like oh uh <clears throat> i i've got you this watch for your birthday mr gordy but uh you know i didn't realize you like, you know you couldn't tell time and then like you know the wife says something like gee you think uh a scientist that could send a rocket to the moon, you know, could get a good birthday gift. And then like, she pauses and she goes, Nope. Uh, uh, okay. Okay. So, uh, it, but it's so funny though. Cause it's like very, like, it's not the kind of nope that like you're thinking for. So like, I, I feel like I totally missed it. Like the other times that I watched it, but <laughs> I noticed. Well, it this time. I, I think that maybe lends itself to the idea that it, there's multiple meanings behind it. The one, the one that we are talking yeah. about with him saying nope and closing the car door is the, is the one that you thought before you saw the movie. That's the context yeah. that will come up. Is someone going, nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> nah, not doing that. You know, it's, it's the Diet of Beetle gift from It's Always Sunny. Nope. Nope. <laughs> not doing that. And now it makes me think of, uh, there's a there's a very good nope moment in uh, Barbarian, <laughs> too, which I guess we don't really want to spoil, but... Uh, that's true. Um, that's right. There is a nope yeah. moment in that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Character was being sensible <laughs> in that scene. Um... Yeah, it's it's interesting because it it does kind of shift like it, it's very much a monster movie, uh, mm-hmm. and because it's treated so much like an animal, even though it's this big spectacular thing, it does kind of almost feel more like an animals attack movie in the last yeah. you know twenty mm-hmm. minutes or something like that. Uh, it feels like it almost feels like you you said it's got some horrific moments in it, and it's got some tense and scary moments, and I agree with mm-hmm. that. But I don't think most of them are towards the. I think towards the end, it's more like a. You know, it's more like a Jaws. It's more like a thrilling adventure yeah. in the last like thirty minutes. I think I all the all the horror is in like the middle and the early parts of the movie. Yeah, when it's the yeah, unknown and when that, you don't yeah. know exactly what it is, and uh, the, the the gaudy stuff in the flashbacks and all that. I would also maybe argue this is the most fun of his three movies as well. Mm-hmm. I think it just lends, sure. even though it's scary and tense at a lot of points, it lends itself to just right. like. F- maybe characters who are a bit more fun and have more wisecracks. Um, it does have something kind of... It's got, like, a serious message to say, but it's not as, like, overbearing, perhaps, as the other two films, which are very kind of hard-hitting with their message. This feels mm-hmm. a bit more like... No, you can just watch this as, like, a fun monster movie, effectively, and enjoy Absolutely. the the, the yeah. tension of that, enjoy the, the way that plays out, and the characters figuring out the rules and how to fight back and mm-hmm. all that stuff, which I love all that kind of stuff. And then, mm-hmm. but then, then it does have the the the, the, the core themes and the, the the ideas to say, um, and like clinging to legacy and cl- cl- clinging to legacy is a theme. Chasing spectacle for fame and fortune is a theme, mm-hmm. and then just the way we like uh, glamorize like like disasters as spectacle uh, mm-hmm. is also another main theme. 
uh, which is there. Because uh, there's, there's that weird detail uh, during the Gordy stuff where young Stephen Yen, uh, uh, Ricky, notices like there's a shoe that's just standing yeah. up on its tip. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what the hell does that mean? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> what is this? Yeah. <clears throat> it's one of the things I love about Peel because it's just like, yeah, it's, it's just such a, a striking visual. And yeah, I mean, honestly, like if there's a deeper meaning to it, I couldn't really tell you, but uh, I love how much it like stands out to you and makes you like take notice. <laughs> the only thing I could think of is that it ties into at one point, and I think he's talking about his dad dying, uh, OJ, <laughs> but he, he mentions, he's, he's talking about, uh, he asked his sister, like, is there such a thing as a bad miracle? Is there a word for that? Because that's okay. And I'm just wondering if, like, this miraculous thing of the show standing up on its on its tip <laughs> yeah. uh, in the middle okay. of this this disaster is, you know, just some sort of random bad miracle where... That's interesting. I don't know. It's the only thing I can really think of. Uh, fact, on his name, OJ, we have to, we have to, you know, it's, it's only really addressed right at the start when he says mm. his name's OJ and they go, wait, your name's OJ? And he's like, yeah, Otis Jr. Mm. Um... The idea, if, if one of the key themes of this film is the glamorization of tragedies and disasters, mm-hmm. then how much of a media spectacle was like the OJ trial and everything that came after that? Like, mm-hmm. I feel like that's a very intentional choice to uh, to include that. The big thing before OJ, you know, got caught was that you know he had that like you know big high speed chase where mm-hmm. you know he was riding a you know I think um, the car was called like a Bronco, which yeah, it was like another name for a horse, and then yeah, later on, you know, you have a chase scene with OJ on a horse, you know, so like some connective <laughs> tissue there. And OJ, I mean, yeah, he had obviously a successful career before that as mm-hmm. a sports an athlete is the word I was looking for, yeah. uh, and an actor, and actor too. Yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I know him as an actor because I I don't know anything about sports, From but na- yeah, naked, naked gun. gun, yeah, <laughs> uh, but. That, you know, he certainly, you know, he wrote a book called If I Did It, which probably sold a lot of copies. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Like, he was definitely milking the cash cow of the spectacle yeah. of what he was involved in. Um, yeah. And, I, and mm-hmm. I don't think the movie's trying to compare the main character of O.J. to O.J. Simpson, because he's obviously no, no, not no, a bad no. guy, <laughs> O.J., no. in the movie. But yeah. I think that name and the idea that that name is tainted to an extent where immediately someone's mm-hmm. like, wait, you're called O.J.? Yeah. <laughs> um... <laughs> Yeah, I think that's kind of that's kind of interesting. Um, so definitely, yeah. yeah. And I guess one of the other things to mention as well, uh, and this this is maybe where I think there's maybe like a layer too much onto the movie because I couldn't quite make mm-hmm. this sit with all the other themes at play. But especially since I'm talking about how I think the movie's saying that people shouldn't want it for these reasons, and that's why some mm-hmm. of the characters die, and why some of the arcs of the characters that do survive is that they you know don't chase spectacle by the end for the same reason that they did earlier on because they've they've had a you know a character journey but one of the things that i think is worth mentioning is that this idea that their you know their great-great-grandfather was this man on the horse and the first ever footage and no one knows his name except them like no one ever knows like they always say hey do you know who the actor was like, everyone knows who filmed it and that's a bit of a stretch like i don't know who filmed the first ever footage but <laughs> i get why it's yeah. in the history books um <laughs> The idea being that he didn't get the credit that he perhaps should have for being like probably the the other important person in this like mm. very you know historical moment, this very important moment in cinema history, and mm. the idea that wait we found this UFO thing, we have to make sure we claim it as ours, and that we are the ones mm. who are remembered for this. Um, 
the reason why I can't really quite make that fit with like the other themes is that this is this feels like more of a positive reason is to say no no we're making sure that we we keep this because this was this you know our great 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 grandfather like he didn't get to keep that legacy uh effectively or at least maybe he did at the time but certainly no one knows who he is now and there's this idea that no we we want to make sure that we we can keep a hold of it um yeah. maybe, maybe that's not an intentional part maybe i'm just sort of looking for something else there but i it's interesting I, though but I was I was wondering if that was maybe something else it was going for, but I, I can't quite make it fit with everything else. So I'll just sort of I'll put it mm. out as a sort of passing thought, and yeah, you know, because because generally speaking, I think the movie's saying that the characters, uh, by and large, are wrong for chasing the spectacle. It's been critical of that, I would say. Sure. Yeah, I mean they they could have easily like left at any time, and you know. <laughs> I'll survive it. <laughs> that's true. That, that said, though, I mean, how many people are going to wander into that area and die? Uh, or maybe the ship will just leave and go somewhere more populated because well, it gets yeah. hungry. <laughs> well, I mean, like, you know, you leave and then you, you hopefully you tell someone that can... Although I, I don't even know who you would tell. I mean, I imagine it would sound crazy, like, going to the police or whatever, but... Maybe know. maybe after the murder of, like, the, the 40 people at the, the show. Yeah, you think that would... It, it would maybe be enough <laughs> to say, hey... We've got an idea of what's <laughs> happening here. Uh, you know, you'll probably think we sound crazy, but if you start sending people in, you're going to eventually get some evidence. So yeah. <laughs> go for it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, it's a good time. It's, it's a, mm. I don't think I was expecting quite a Jaws movie as, as, I, as I got ultimately uh, by the end, but uh, I, I had fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you liked it. I was, uh, yeah. Uh, I was, uh, yeah, uh, pretty anxious uh, to do that one because, uh, yeah, I liked it quite a bit, and I figured it'd be an interesting one to talk about. And just, uh, and you thought yeah, I hated it I'm... for some reason? No, no, I didn't. No, I, didn't. I, 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 I thought you. I was pretty uh, sure you'd be positive on it, but you never know. But uh, yeah, just one of those ones though, where just the timing uh, was weird, and that's always annoying, and that works out. Okay. Also, apparently, Oz Perkins had a small role in this. Oh. Yeah. Uh. Is, is it the Oz Perkins I'm thinking? Yes, yeah, it's the Oz Perkins. Is he the who... director? Well, yeah, he was an actor first, but yeah, he directed uh, yeah. Black Coat's Daughter, uh, Gretel, Gre- and Gretel and Hansel, Hansel. Yeah. yeah. He was, of course, in the classic uh, Quigley, starring Gary Busey, where Gary Busey swaps oh. bodies with a dog. Dog, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, he's also in Secretary, which is actually a really good film. Uh, the film that Fifty Shades of Grey kind of, like, ripped off. <laughs> Of course you like that, you freak. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. But yeah, it's him. He's, he's there. Uh, we got a little bit of a secretary relationship. <laughs> am I am I James Spader or Maggie Hall? Very good question. I'll let the listeners decide. Yeah, he played Finn Backman. Was hmm. he maybe one of the like the people at the start in the the, the TV set or something? Oh, uh, maybe. I don't know who that. Yeah. You know, the only other person I can think of that had maybe some lines would be like, um, you know, the, uh, yeah, like the guy at the beginning that's kind of, you know, like getting the, I don't, I don't know, I don't that know what his like position him. would be. I, I mean. Unless, could, could he have been maybe the voice of the motorcycle guy possibly? or uh, I don't know. No. Uh, maybe, yeah, like, I mean, he could have been the dad in the sitcom for all I know. I don't think so. But I mean, <laughs> I've never seen him with a beard before. So, uh, yeah. no, no, I see who that is. That's, that's some other guy named Andrew uh, Ralston. 
I can see him down here, but mm. uh, regardless, uh, he's apparently got a small role. I didn't, I didn't notice oh, cool. him, but he was there somewhere, uh, and that's cool because yeah. I like his movies. So I wonder if they're friends or something. Yeah. Also, Ren Schmidt played uh, Stephen Yun's wife in this. Uh, she's in uh, For All Mankind, the Apple Show. I don't watch that. <laughs> no, but I recognized her, so I figured I'd mention it before we wrap up, since people be uh yeah a lot of people are probably on the the edge of their toes wondering if you're gonna mention it just rate the film time and show up <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh yeah i've seen it three times i i've, I've loved it uh each time uh yeah it, it's a uh i don't, I don't know I, I don't i don't know what to say about peel uh, at this point i just i've i've loved everything he's done he has uh it's only three movies but uh i mean it's quite the track record for me it's uh you know it's exciting to see what he's uh gonna do next and um yeah yeah i'm looking forward to it i i think this uh yeah it's hard to rank his movies but um like you're saying this this might be your favorite it it could possibly be mine too like uh, i don't know it's it's real damn good um you know i I love the actors you know the performances are great uh you know there's there's moments of humor that the movie even though it is a little long like it flies by just because it is very you know visually uh you know it it looks good there's lots of interesting things that are happening there's moments of like really just (laughs) like sheer bleak horror yeah i I thought it was paced very well i i I thought like it was a slow build to begin with with these quick gaudy sequences to kind of space it up and then but it, you know, there's that big thing halfway through that kind of amps everything up, and from that point on, it feels like we're in like major movie territory, and it feels really exciting. Yeah. You know, it, and it feels nice to have like, you know, talking about blockbusters. Uh, you know, not to get on a soapbox or or anything, but like, oh, here we uh, go. it kind of sucks that like you know, that like the number like mostly when you think of blockbusters now, it's like mostly just like you know the same old like Marvel you know movies or comic book movies nowadays you know as much as you know i love marvel and uh you know comic books and stuff it's it's nice when you get like you know movies that feel like you know kind of like old school blockbusters like this but they are totally like original unique ideas um you know it was nice before like you know when you would get a lot of nice uh you know original movies uh all the time uh instead of just the same constant remakes and sequels and comic book movies but whatever uh yeah so that being said i mean i i think this is a great film i i i love it um i honestly i really can't think of like anything to complain about it or to like knock it down any points for me so uh, i'm just gonna give it a the old 10 out of 10 i think whoa yeah i I got nothing to i got no complaints so it's you know (laughs) it worked for me what can i say (laughs) i I just bit promiscuous there with your your, your 10 out of 10s there Tim's all I'm saying you just you dishing them out uh, that's that's the, that's the second one you've given this year on the show I think mm-hmm. but to be fair like it's probably only what the like fourth <laughs> that I've given like out of all the 500 episodes we've done that can't be true you've given more than four tens overall I don't think I, I, I whoever's keeping the, the stats let me know but like it's it's not like I've given like twenty or thirty out. Like it's... no, but like you, I mean, I'm pretty sure you give a ten to like Phantasm. You probably give a ten to like mm. at least one of the Evil Dead's. Probably. Yeah, you know, like I, I could, you know, there's a, probably a few things I could rhyme off that you probably give a ten to. 
I, I would say it's at least less than 10, though. But I think... Sure, you know, sure. It, it's fun to give 10s, though. <laughs> as, lo- as long as you feel it in your heart, it's absolutely fun to give a 10. You didn't tell me I had to feel it in my heart. <laughs> you have to feel it? Yeah, of course you do. <laughs> <laughs> I feel every rating I give in my heart. <laughs> you might, might want to see a doctor about that, uh, or my ass. I, like, if it goes below a certain number, it's <laughs> on my ass. <laughs> oh yeah, that oh yeah, that makes more sense. Yeah. <laughs> it's shit. It's poo. <laughs> it comes out my anus. <laughs> anyway, no. Um, uh, it falls and then it hits someone in the head and they die. <laughs> Especially when it's a two out of ten. Yeah. <laughs> Get it, number two. No, okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> My comedy's lost in you, peasants. <laughs> Jeez. All right, now, um, I'm not going to get a 10, because I'm not dishing out 10s willy-nilly, like, uh, like, uh, <laughs> 10 mythy over here. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, uh, I really liked it. I think the characters are, are likable. I think the, the movie's got a lot of great spectacle, and it looks gorgeous numerous times the entire climax is just a fun ride uh and you you genuinely left thinking oh maybe we've killed off oj and we've left with just with the sister character but you get that big glorious triumphant moment where he literally appears like he's in a western like they say up early on that the first movie he ever worked on uh, with his dad was scorpion king which is a terrible movie uh from 2001 which by the way it makes it's, it's making i'm realizing now that a lot of main characters in movies are around my age and I'm like, yeah, he was a teenager working with his dad. And I'm like, oh, yeah, he's a couple of years older than me. That sounds about right. Oh, God. Uh, you know. uh, what I'm worried about is how long is it going to be before, like, all the main characters are younger than me. That's what I'm really going to get concerned. But. Yeah, that's what I, I, I don't mind so much if they're my age. It's when they're younger that I'm like, ugh. Yeah, yeah. They're younger, but they're not high school kids. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, so big triumphant moment in the horse you know it feels like he actually shows up at the end as if he just came out of a western uh, and it's quite uplifting so uh yeah positive it does have it has themes it has ideas it's, all that stuff is cooking uh it's a good time i think it's well paced uh so yeah i'll give it a nine nine out of ten <laughs> which is like a ten for you <laughs> No, it's not. I've given things. You ten. don't give out a lot of nines. <laughs> I've given out a higher rating this year. <laughs> I gave an okay. eight point five to something. Mm. So, yeah, I'm just saying I'll give out tens <laughs> easy. You have to. You, you have to really like. I have to fall in love with you and, and, and passionately. <laughs> like, that's, that has to like speak to me in a way that's just you know so anyway there you go that's uh that's uh nope <laughs> yes uh so hopefully hopefully you enjoyed that discussion so i don't know how you could have but if you did uh thank you <laughs> you can support all the content uh by go over to patreon.com slash tv and getting some bonus goodies for your effort now admittedly they're on pause for a bit because tim's uh, uh having a second kid and will be mm-hmm. away from recording for a while uh, so we're going to hopefully have a lot of episodes to cover that gap, if not the whole gap, uh, for a couple per month, but, uh, we won't have any bonus content for that time, but there's a whole back catalog of bonus episodes that you get access to, 
uh, at the five dollar tier, there's a show called Even More Screams that we we're doing monthly, and we'll do monthly again when Tim comes back. But there's a, a year worth of that as well. You can go check out where we just talk about all the different horror movies we've been watching, like that weren't for the show, as well as the bonus episodes, which tend to be goofier movies and like B movies and shit like Thanks Killing and uh, <laughs> whatever else. You know, there's the occasional serious movie, but it's mostly goofy stuff. Yeah. Uh, so go check out all that. You can, of course, support us uh, by uh, liking, subscribing, dinging the bell. Uh, alternatively, there's a YouTube membership and super chats and things like that, or super uh, thanks if you want to use those. Uh, but uh, yeah, I will thank our, our Patreon producers uh, for the month. So thank you very much to Tyler Hess and the Palisades, David Short, Bordner, Christopher Moy, David Brown, and Al Treisman. Thank you to you all uh, for supporting us at a high tier but uh, thank you to everyone who does support the show and uh, keep enjoying said content check out the other stuff that we do at Mail Fuzz Movies like the Atomic Cinema Experiment the sci-fi podcast that I do with Tara or the Collector's Cut the newer movie show that I do with David which is about uh, going through franchises and like sort of batches of movies we just we're doing a 70s disaster season that's probably coming out right now as uh, this episode comes out and yeah, other stuff. We've got the Turtles movies coming up. So, mm. go check out that. But that's us. That's been Screams After Midnight. Thank you very much for joining us. We always appreciate it. Keep watching scary movies. And we will see you next time.